This is a podcast from 3RRR 102.7 FM in Melbourne. Truly independent community radio. Boom! Just like that. Just like that, we hit the button. Red light comes on in the studio. Do you know what that means? Talk like hell! You've already warned me today. You're in a bit of a feisty mood. I thought, I was actually, I was saying I was a bit punchy. You've gotten <laughs> up on the right side of the bed. Oh, have I? Yeah. Hey. Yeah. Energetic Sunday for Cam. And what about you? I'm what right. side of the bed did you wake up Just on? the normal one. The normal one? Yep. You didn't exit from the front <laughs> of the bed. You did the dive bomb over the top. <laughs> I'm not getting up on the side. I'm going uh, this way. Under the doona. Forward roll. Mm. Half pike. <laughs> hit the floor. Yeah. Boom. Scare the cats. Yeah. <laughs> it's going, what on earth are you doing? And what on earth are you people doing out there? Huh? I see you. Driving, sleeping. Yes. We go through this, don't we? Maybe you're, what what maybe you're on the tram. You could be on the tram. You could be working on the car. <laughs> you poor thing. You horny-handed son of toil. <laughs> Why would you be doing that? Yeah. I don't know. Uh, yes, it is Sunday. Um... And, uh, yeah, this is the food show. Yeah. It's called Eat It. Yeah. Uh, my name's Cam Smith. And I'm Matt Stedman. Thanks to the scientists for the last hour of uh, radio. And just as they, they... Wow. The most efficient... Lights out. You'd expect the scientists to be efficient in everything they do. And <laughs> case in point, they've already... The studio's gone. It's The lights are off. Lights are off. They've walked out. Yes. They do not mess around. They're they efficient. do not mess around. They obviously have scientific things, endeavours to return to. Not like us. You and I normally just prattle yeah, on well, for know, minutes. Is there any show. gin left? <laughs> you know? <laughs> don't let the distiller go. No, no, don't go yet. There's still whiskey to be drunk. Um, we don't have any distillers in, which is... No, um, not today. Uh, which is a shame. But I can actually say yep. um, to all the cloth dyers out there... Rewind, hang on, hang on, to the, all the... Cloth dyers out there. Oh, cloth dyers. Dyers of cloth. Dyers of cloth. You have a saint. Oh. I didn't know this. This is a new mm. one to me. Mm. In, in all the years we've just been doing this strange thing of doing a food show and doing Catholic say, esoteric mm. Catholic saints. But anyway, here it is. St. Lydia's Day, the patron of cloth dyers. Nice. I know someone who dyes cloth. Really? She does it really, really well. Bit of a lost art nowadays. Isn't Don't it? know if she's listening. Yeah, I'm sorry. Dying of cloth and making your own clothes. Fewer and fewer people do it because we. Just... Well, actually, this was for theatre, darling. Oh, theatre. Nice. Mm. Mm. Yes. So anyway, if you're into that sort of stuff, if you're into making your own clothes, did your parents do tie dye? No, I tried to do tie dye a couple of times when I was in, in high school. It did, did not you? go well. Why not? The it elastic did... bands weren't tight it... enough. No, it just came out looking rubbish. <laughs> So, um, what color palette did you use? I think I started with blue and then moved to yellow, and it was just—it just looked, it looked worse than when I started. I should have just stuck with a plain white t-shirt. All right, yeah, yeah, um, yes. And on that note, um, what's on the show today? Mm. Uh, I might just quickly say that uh, very, very excited uh, from the Royal uh, Royal uh, the Royal Society of Victoria. Yes. Dr. Renee Beale yes. is on. She's spruiking Science Week. Ah, coming up. Coming up. Yep. And there's a, there's a rather extraordinary thing happening mm. where Parliament House is being used for the forces of good. Mm. thing called extrasensory happening at Parliament House on August 10. There's going to be all sorts of, all manner of um, science demonstrations. That's and this week if you're playing at home. And you're invited. Yeah. Yeah. You won't be excluded mm. if you pay your bucks. Mm-hmm. If your name's on the door, mm-hmm. I've always go, sorry, sir, private function. <laughs> sorry, can't come in. Um, yes, and then next, after that, mm. I'm very much looking forward to uh, speaking uh, to someone who seems to be a little bit of a dynamo, mm. force of nature. Yes. Have you ever heard those cliches used together? Yes, and I have and already smack today, me? this morning, yes. Yes, okay. Saba uh, Alameo mm. from uh, Saba's Ethiopian restaurant, someone mm. with a very, very interesting uh, life story to tell. Yes. Um, extraordinary, the amount of balls that this woman can throw in the air and keep moving. Yep. And just keep moving. Yep. Um, and uh, what is Ethiopian food anyway? That's and a good question. why is teff flour good for you 
if you have problems digesting gluten. Mm. All will be answered later right. on in the show. Mm. You just wait, Stedman. It's all going to happen. Uh, and then the fearless food warrior from Gourmet Traveller, Helicopter Harden. Michael Harden will be coming in. Um, and what's his mastermind subject? I wanted to talk about eating in Italy, but I said, look, we've already done that. Pat Nurse came, <laughs> Pat Nurse came on before and talked about that, so we might indulge him a little yeah. bit going, oh, yes, it was great. I, you know. But then we might turn our attention to places a little bit more local for those of us well, who's, yeah. who's, whose budget doesn't quite extend to... Yeah, well, this is it. We digress. We bring it down to mid-price mm. Italian and, and this, and there is sort of a thing where all, there are these sort of good restaurants that are doing... Uh, not stupidly cheap, not stupidly expensive, but really yes. good middle yeah, yeah. type of stuff. And um, I'm going to ask him, what's that in your mouth mm. at home? Right. What does the feelest, the feelest, <laughs> feelest, the feelest food critic eat when he's not eating a five-star dining room? Which is probably the minority of evenings. Yes. Michael. You know, what yeah. is it? What is it he when comes you have home? To, when you have to slum it at home. Slum it at home. Yep. Find those two-minute noodles, <laughs> you know. What do you put in them yeah. to make it uh, it good? So, uh, but before I do that, I'd like to um, read out a quote from Mark Twain. Right. Yep. Mm. You know him? Yeah. Do you know his nom de plume? I do not. Samuel S. Clemens, I mm. think it was. Yeah, Mark Twain is a stage name. Oh. Made it up. Mm. Yeah. Don't like Samuel. I want to be Mark. Mark. <laughs> And he made his mark too. Um, and he said, the true southern watermelon is a boon apart, not to be mentioned with commoner things. It is chief of this world's luxuries, king by the grace of God over all the fruits of the earth. When one has tasted it, he knows what the angels eat. Mark Twain, 1835, 1910. He liked watermelon. He liked his watermelon. Yeah, he did. yeah. yeah. <laughs> Apparently, um, what was it? There was a cookbook, Lindy Milan, um, mm-hmm. and uh, one of the things she discovered is that if you pour a little bit of gin on watermelon oh, on right. a hot day. Yeah, that could, I, actually, as you say that, I was like, oh, that could ooh, really work. Little, I see a little eyebrow yeah. come up then. Beyond my usual gin excitement, I think yeah. that could actually complement <coughs> it quite well. And gin and mint and onions and, um, um, and dressing is an amazing salad for... The intolerable heat of February. Yes. Which luckily we're not in no, at the moment. No, it feels like a very long way away. Yeah. Right? <laughs> Just mm. good it away. Um, and um, I've got a little bit of a thing for... What's, what's that, that in, in your, your mouth? mouth? Thank you very much. Uh, yes, what's that in your mouth? It's the uh, mini segment we do where we discuss what we've cooked at home or what we've uh, what experienced been masticating recently indeed yes. indeed gross mastication um what was in my mouth well i had a hankering um it was sort of actually um what, what, what did i want um it was a caprice almost mm-hmm. no just this thing i just decided hey i want to try those you know when you go to yum char in chinese restaurants you get the spring mm. onion pancakes yes I thought I'd make some. Oh, really? Okay. Ah. Mm. And I did. How'd you go? I was not too bad. Thanks. Yeah. Uh, interesting pastry. We were sort of like, it was sort of a hot water pastry. No no yeast or leavening stuff. Mm. No. Um, but it was, it's an interesting technique, Matt. And what you do is you, you make the dough and it's very, very sticky and wet and you knead it and, and then you roll it in little circles mm. and then you put in all this chopped spring onion, mm-hmm. green part only because the white one is a bit tough and it'll okay. go through it. But then it, the recipe went, sprinkle with a bit of five spice powder. Okay. And I went, oh, mm. God, I'm out of five spice powder. You know, rang my neighbour yeah. downstairs. <laughs> hey, Jason, you got any five spice powder? And he went, I just want to, you know, borrow a cup of it. Yeah. And he went, no way I'm going to give you a cup of five spice powder. It's, what do you think, grows on trees? Yeah. And I said, oh, okay, um, bugger. Oh. And then I, I looked up the recipe and I ended up making your own, my five, spice own powder. five spice powder right. using my old mortar and pestle. Yeah. Uh, which uh, was cinnamon, cloves, fennel, star anise, and zechuan peppercorns. And I don't know if you've ever tried to grind star anise 
<laughs> no, actually, no, I haven't. There's a lot of calorie <laughs> calories used up. Szechuan peppers are pretty easy, but yeah, star anise and take, cloves too. Yeah, cloves take a beating, don't they? You they gotta, do you take a beating. Really show them who's boss. And one thing I just recommend before we actually go on the show, because I'm probably taking far too long with this, is um, word of advice: um, if you have one of those little spice grinder things, yes. ones that go, you know that. Yes. Um, usually, they have a plastic lid. Yes. Yeah, that it goes like that, and you go, and you can watch it all happen. There is something in the oil of a clove that will destroy plastic, <laughs> right? It just right. dissolves it. Yeah, yeah. So uh, just if you if you did you like that spice grinder, um, maybe don't don't, don't put use cloves it for in. that. But the um, spring onion pancakes were great. Um, yeah, very quickly. What you do is you mm. roll that up then, mm. so then it's like a little cigar containing mm-hmm. uh, all the the spring onions, and then you roll it up around your finger. Right, so then it goes like a little roll thing, yeah. and you let that rest for about 15 minutes. Gluten, remember, got to let it rest. Mm. Relax, gluten, you say to it. And then you roll that down, you smush it all down, so then the spring onion gets, gets all encased, mushed, yeah. mushed, yeah. and then you fry it, and then you give thanks. Was it worth the effort? Yeah, it was awesome. It was good? Okay. Yeah, no, it was really, really good. It's just a, um, a few little steps that don't take that long. Mm. It's like, you know when you make... You know when you make puff pastry, right? <laughs> Not a common occurrence. All right, yeah, but... Hey, and I, I'm pleased to say, Matt Wilkinson, when we had him in, he agreed. <laughs> like, who's making puff pastry? He's quite right, from the he, shop. He's just... That's just his contrariness. <laughs> he just does that. That's his shtick. And hello, Matt, if you're listening. Hello, Matt, if you're listening. We need to get a move we on because we've got great guests yes. and we need to talk to them. 12.13, you want to do music now? No, no, we're going to do, do uh, some sponsorship announcements now. Right. And we'll be back. Let's get Renee in. Yeah. Stand by, and thanks for tuning in. Well, how times have changed. <laughs> it's Jeremy Oliver from a long, long time ago. But across from us, here from the Royal Society of Victoria. Hello. Hello, <laughs> Dr. Renee. You've deigned to come in today. I have. How are you? I'm brilliant. How are you? Karen? Good to see you back again. Um, Carlton Connect was it? Was that? Yeah, yeah. That was that was one of the first times that we met, and I went, "Wow, academia is reaching out to me." That's right. I was, yes. I was, I was a little bit chuffed. Um, but uh, quickly before we get into Science Week and the and the great uh, event called Extrasensory that's on there, can you just describe what on earth is the Royal Society? Yeah, that's a great question. What do you people do? Yeah, what do we Why? do? Why? Have you got pictures of the Queen that you toast all every hour or what goes on? Well, basically we've moved on a little bit since 1854. Oh, my God. <laughs> Thankfully. Did you go grouse shooting? No, sorry, go on. So we're basically um, a society that collects a whole pile of people who are interested in science. So not only scientists, oh. but... Other people who are LMIs. Yeah, anybody. Like-minded individuals. Indeed. Yeah. And so we, our mission is to promote science in Victoria. Seems like a good idea. It does, yeah. Does that include climate science, he said yes. provocatively? Yes, absolutely. Is anybody listening does. out there? <laughs> Hopefully. Okay. Uh, sorry, I, sorry, I was just a cynical <laughs> thing to say. I'm back, it's okay. Science, wow, that's great. And <laughs> yes. So, so you're there for the um, uh, for the communication, promotion, dissemination of scientific ideals and ideas. That's right. That's, That's sort of beautiful. it in a nutshell. Yeah, hey. absolutely. That sounds like a good thing. It is laudable. And what on earth is happening? Parliament House, they're throwing a party and we're all invited. I know, how exciting is that? Tear the a place science up. party. Yay. Couldn't be any better. On the on that fabulous carpet they have there. That's right. They have good carpet. They do have good carpet. It's yeah. an amazing building. Not, yeah. Do you know it was supposed to have a dome on it? Really? They were supposed to have a dome, but they ran out of money because they got into a property-led depression right. in the 1890s. And funnily enough, no um, politician was going to put their head above the parapets <laughs> and say, hey, do you reckon we could spend $50 million? But what is going to be – first of all, the date um, is the 10th of August. Is. That's next Saturday, isn't it? Yeah, it's getting close. And the gig goes from 6 till 10 at night. That's right. It's ticketed. It is ticketed. What so. can people see? Yeah, so we're taking over the chambers and we're going to have some talks in the chambers. (laughs) I like that. So at its base, extrasensory is all about the future of human perception. And so we're exploring that through storytelling, Mm. um, 
music, magic, and comedy performance. Music, magic. Music, magic, oh, music, and comedy. Oh, comedy, magic. Yeah, yeah, Okay, yeah. sorry. Yeah, right. Yeah. I mean, the yeah, the comedian might sing. I'm not yeah. sure. Or That'd maybe be, the musician maybe might the be magic. Musician. Yep, that's yes. right. Um, and we're also doing some live experiments and exhibits that people can actually contribute to scientific research, which I think is really important and exciting for people to see. Do you want to uh, take the ball and run with one of those? Yeah, so, uh, what, sure. Tell me, tell me about these um, experiments that are going to be happening. Yeah, great. So one of them actually relates to um, how we find our way around. Um, so if anyone's like me and is not such a great map reader, mm-hmm. um there's a group um, called Sensi Lab at Monash Uni. And They're they, here to help? Yeah, they are here to help. Well, <laughs> Hi, we're from origi- Sensi Lab. Yeah, originally um, they've created tactile maps for people with low vision, but I think they would be really handy for people who are just really bad like me at a reading visual map. maps. Really? Yes. So it's just like if you sort of put your fingers in Port Phillip Bay, it's wet or something? Or? <laughs> well, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, so they've got 3D maps as well yeah. as textural surfaces and things like that. Wow. Oh. Which is pretty awesome. So they're wanting people to come and try out their maps to see how effective they are, whether they like them, whether they're helpful. Where they are or where they're going. and yeah. That's right. So it's for people that are not only low vision, but they want to know how all of us feel about that. Can you imagine rocking up to a building and near the elevator there's this where textual map and we get to kind of feel it to find our way through the building? Where are the toilets? Exactly. Yeah, okay, Yes. So they've created this kind of treasure map where people can find treasure and use their fingers to wayfind. Okay. There's something about digestion, he said. Am I right? Or is I just yeah, – did so I dream that? There is. Oh, there is. Yeah, there's, there's, all kinds of, there's all kinds of food sensory experiences yeah. there too, which is great. I mean, one of the things I wanted to explore through this event is that um, I think part of us advancing our perception in the future is learning how to use our senses a bit better with each other. Mm. Um, and so there's a couple of food experiments that really look at that. Okay. Um, I think we all know that we've kind of got pretty bad sense of smell as a human species. Yes. Um, well, compared to dogs, my God. Yeah. Exactly. Like and they're we, only like about 500 times more. Uh, they can smell about yes, 500 that, times better. Yes, that's right. Um, so... But we don't really realise with taste, there's definite bleed through with our other senses. And so, you know, really? you speak about Do you that. Digress on that? Tell me more. Yeah, so you were speaking about this a couple of weeks ago on your program. I remember you talking about um, really? creating blue food and how people were just oh, really put off by that. Because that. That, uh, that everything in your brain is saying, that is Sorry, poisonous, that, yep. you will die. You that's will right. die, you will die. And you're going, what are you talking about, brain? Stop that. That's right. And so we kind of know that the way our food looks yes. is important. Yes, eat um, with our eyes. But also there's some, there's some pretty funky research that well, I don't know how well it's backed up yet but there's Mm. some research around sound and how that affects the way in which we taste food and so there's a group that's going to do some some funky experiments with people to see how true that is going here have this vegemite sandwich and clang 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 and listen to this music or listen to this minuet yeah which is pretty cool that that does sound pretty cool yeah and uh i think you had ghee on talking about the food tastes better in Paris. So they've got a VR experience, experience where they pop people in different environments. Well, he didn't say. He was yeah. he, he came across as a nice guy, didn't he? Yeah, he except, seemed like lovely. Seemed lovely. Except, He's you know, not. they don't always put people in Paris. So people are going to experience other environments oh, where you may right. not really want to be eating food. Here you are so, in the <laughs> Brooklyn rat-infested <laughs> alley. That's right. Enjoy your burrito. <laughs> hey. Okay, well that well that makes sense. I mean, you've you've got to have um, the good with the bad, and then get your um, your results and accordingly. That's right, exactly. And we've got a brewer coming in. He's going to um, teach people how they teach professional beer tasters. So um, that should be really fun. Oh uh, yeah. So how, how do you sign up for that one? How do you sign up for that one? Yeah. Just just walk up along. and come, so yeah. so the idea is it's. Um, it's really a token amount of money that you have to pay for this thing. It's ten dollars to get in. Yep. It's at Parliament House on the tenth. It goes from six until ten. Is it only going to be on for that one session? That's a one evening only. Bloody hell! What a shame. Okay. I mean, it's great, and and yeah. 
And Renee, just to confirm, you're responsible for curating all this? That's right, yeah. Well, yeah, thank you. Golf club. Matt was going to join him, but he thought, no, I'm not going <laughs> Yeah, well, look, that's bloody marvellous. And how do people uh, book in? Yep, they can go to um, inspiringvictoria.org.au mm. and follow the link from the homepage from there. Say that again slowly. Inspiringvictoria.org.au. Yes. Okay, I'm just using Matt as my litmus sort of thing. It's written down. It's we'll, uh, done. We'll stick a link on the um, Twitter feed as well. Wow. So. Twitter feed. What is our Twitter feed? It's <laughs> eat it. Uh, uh. Hey, that's catchy. Yeah. I, I like that. And I've asked you in a provocative way to say, look, um, Science Week, first of all, is national. Yes, it it's is. It's everywhere, man. Yeah, it's um, amazing. Yeah. Uh, from Broome to Phillip Island, you know, you get your science on. Absolutely. And I was going to say, get you out of your um, the things that you've created. And yeah. if you couldn't go to this one, is there any that really pique your interest and you would like to go along to? I know. You're asking me to pick a favourite child. I know. I know. Um, we've got over 400 events for Victoria this year for Science Week, so go science. 400? Four, over 400. Wow. Yeah. yeah, so I think, you know, what I would say is that um, getting along to your local library, because a lot of libraries are getting on board, and they're yes. doing some really cool stuff. Like, How cool are libraries now? They are so cool. Because they thought, no, libraries are going to be dead, but yeah. they're not. No. State libraries, I think, maybe the third busiest library in the world. That's amazing. Is that right? Yeah, it it's could be. It's close to that. I think, it, I think it is. Yeah, so you can dig for dinosaurs, you can dance off with a robot, you can <sighs> code things, <laughs> you can... Oh, well, a lot of them have science shows where they're blowing up things left, right and centre in there. Where do you do that? Absolutely. That's Sign what science is about. Yeah, blow stuff up. Blow stuff up. Oh, yeah. I could have been a scientist. When I was a kid anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Crack a night. Um, Dr. Renee Beale from the uh, Royal Society of Victoria. Thank you. It's been an absolute delight. Always great to see you and to um, promote and advance the course of science because, well, let's face it, we need to do it because one thing that we saw in the, the last decade or stuff is just the rise and rise and rise of middle management and <laughs> managers. And this is an antidote to that, in a way. It might be. It might be. <laughs> Thanks for coming in on a Sunday, Renee. Yeah, thank you, Cam. It was great to speak with you. All right, we've got Saba coming on from her, her eponymous restaurant. Yes. In uh, eponymous Ethiopian restaurant. We're going to find out about Ethiopian food um, and also a little bit about her because it's a fairly interesting story. No. Not just fairly, it's very interesting. Yes. Stick around. 1226 here on 3 Triple RFM. Matt has got something for you. Some music we saw um, uh, coming up uh, later this month, Snout are playing at the Corner Hotel. We thought, I haven't heard Snout in a while. Yeah. Let's play some Snout. And we're going to. Yeah. And it goes like this. Indeed they are, and it's... Uh it's funny how it just keeps coming around so fast. <laughs> yes. Meredith, good luck. And uh, Radiothon's coming up soon, too. Speaking of coming around. Yes. Uh, two more weeks, and uh, we will be looking for the support of the community. Mm. Because, let's face it, um, without community, well, we'd all just be scrapping in the streets. What do you got? Really? You got nothing. You got nothing. Yeah. Huh? Saba. Hey. A very, very good afternoon to you. Thank you for coming in. We were mentioning that you um, you have an eponymous restaurant, uh, one that's been named after you, and I'm fascinated to talk about uh, what goes on, first of all, where it is. Well, we can answer that. It's Brunswick Street, right? Correct. Hey. 328. You've got to give the proper address. Three two. Well, I was waiting for it. I was just waiting for you to fill in the gaps. Just a bang. I'm Dead just handballing. Hill. There you go. There you go. You just fill in those gaps, which is great. And I'm looking forward to hearing about what underpins um, Ethiopian cuisine. But let's talk about you. Okay. <laughs> I can do that. We can do that. Um, first of all, it's... Um, Tell us a little bit about um, growing up and your childhood and also probably going into that. And I think maybe one of those, the themes behind your life is the importance of a rather amazing woman in your life, your mum. Yeah. So I guess, oh, I don't know where to start. I don't need to be Where were you born? 
I was born in Khartoum, Sudan, um, yes. and came here when I was nine years old. Initially, we lived in Brunswick Northwest mm. before, um, sorry, Brunswick West, but went to Brunswick Northwest Primary what, School. What year was that roundabout? Sorry, my ninety-nine. When a- I think we bad. got the last Ansett airline from Sydney. <laughs> really? I think we were. Wow! Because that's the only. I was like, Ansett? did they serve champagne? Oh, I was nine, and yeah, I don't okay. think I understood any English. I don't even think I knew what champagne was. Yeah, right. I did come from Sharia law, right? So yes. where there was no alcohol, so I don't even know that I knew what and champagne was. Okay, <laughs> nine years old, you're still old enough to have really vivid memories of childhood. Absolutely. Yeah? Yeah. And tell us what it was like from, first of all, what was it like where you were and then this incredible culture shock of finding yourself in Brunswick North, my God. Um, so to be honest with you, for us, as a ch- like it's a very different experience as a child as what it is for an, as an adult. I think for my sure. mother, it was a little bit harder. Yeah. So she used to um, to kind of support us. She used to make tea and coffee on the streets. So she was one of the street traders. But it's an illegal trade, so you'd have to, like, every time there's... Co- Cops coming through, people say, cops, 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 and everyone packs this down. This is in Brunswick? No, no, this is in when I was growing yeah. up in Khartoum. In Khartoum yeah. So it's similar to sort of for any of the travellers that have been to, I guess, Italy and when you see all the, the um, fake uh, products being sold and then you see them packing up in 0.3 seconds. So my mum used to do that with teas and coffees. I remember you saw that in London, these guys selling these dodgy Calvin Klein perfumes <laughs> and then just suddenly... Bang! Could those guys sprint? I know. They it's one bag. It's least, one lift. And at least your mum was able just to go inside, right? Yeah, so she just like kind of takes her coffee stuff and just stands up like she's not doing anything. Can, can um, we name her? What's your, what's your mum's name? My mum's name's Takabash. Takabash. Yeah. Takabash Gebre. Yep, that's correct. Not bad pronunciation. That's actually pretty good. Thank pretty you. Good. Okay, good. but so you're in, your mum, when you were born, you were in um, Sudan. Yeah. And but your mum had already. They're both Ethiopian. Fled. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so am I am I being a little overly Germanic? Left. Ethiopia, um, left yeah. e- Ethiopia um, in bios that I've written was uh, because of uh, the communist government. But was that also because of the terrible famines that were happening there in Ethiopia? Mm, no, I think uh, my mum had left a little bit pre the. Famine, I think it was. 84, 85 was sort of the the really big one. And they're sort of in famine now, aren't they? Uh, No, none that I know of. It's all good. Unless unless you know one. No, no, no. no, I was just... um, (laughs) Unless you know of one and I'm breaking news um, on Triple R. No, I'm happy Um, happy to hear that there's... uh, Yeah, no, I'll vote for no famine than famine. Uh, yeah. But but your mum actually walked out of yep. Ethiopia. Yep. But that she, she wasn't a unique story. A lot of people no. did walk out, like they literally walk to the border and get to Sudan. Yes. So Ethiopia's um, government changes have generally been quite uh, a turmoil, I guess. When we went from an emperor to a communist government, that was kind of a civil war that some people left throughout that. Who was the emperor? Was that Haile Selassie? Correct, Haile yeah. Selassie. So he had Bob come Marley to Australia. It was. All the Rastas thought he was He's an been to Im- the, and everything. The embodiment. What? Yeah, Can Haley I just finish that? Haley Selassie, they say, is the embodiment of God, the, so far as the Rastafarians say. Cool. But you said that <laughs> Haley Selassie Kevin visited, visited Duntroon. And this was an interesting thing because you were at Duntroon. I was, and that's how you I found made it out. You through as a lieutenant. The lieutenant, Sabo, sorry, nice to see you. <laughs> we'll go with lieutenant, but yeah. Yeah. We'll go with that, yeah. Yeah, we made it through, but that's so how it was Haley Selassie. Let's talk about, first of all, him at Duntroon. So he came to visit as an emperor, and some generals that I had met had said that they had met him. Really? So when I was at Duntroon, actually, during our march out dinner, some people were talking about the fact that they had met him. Um, and that's how I found out that he had been there. Haley Selassie, yeah, we've had drinks with that guy. Yeah. yeah we know him. Yes. You went, get out of here. Yeah, so he, so during that transition, and then my mum also then left during the transition from communism to democracy, which was another civil war. Yeah. Um, so then she left through that transition. And the Italians were there for a little while too, weren't they? That was oh. quite a long time ago. But they, they 1888, I think it was, and we take pride in the fact that we uh, kick their ass. Excuse <laughs> the French. Bang. Well, just like <laughs> the Vietnamese the and the French. French, yeah, mean, so thank you. We'll Mus- hang on to the yeah, and then Mussolini tried again, I think, and that was also to no avail. So it's called the Battle of Adwa, yes. and Ethiopia is the only country in Africa, uh, bar Liberia, that has not been colonized. Um, and we take massive national pride in that. <laughs> yeah, I remember as a kid, I used to read Wilbur Smith books, which I don't know if I should admit to, but the, one of the themes was 
the um, uh, the battle against Mussolini's forces, and I thought it was quite fascinating. Um, so far as the cuisine of Ethiopia goes, is there a way to describe it in... Yeah, so um, there's a few things that contribute to historically and I guess the culturally of what Ethiopian cuisine is. First thing is that we teff is the staple that we use for the fermented flatbread. Mm. Teff is one of the most um, – it's, it's a really hearty – it's not a grain. It's more related to the lovegrass family. It's a really hearty – um, I guess, seed that can grow almost in all conditions, hence why it becomes... Tiny, tiny seeds. It's about the size of a poppy seed, so it's uh, tiny. Uh, um, uh, doesn't uh, teff mean lost? Um, yes. Because they're so small? They're so, they are extremely So tiny. the grains are so small. So we have these little flower heads that grow from this really, really tough grass that, as you That's said, correct. can grow anywhere. Yeah. And it forms, it underpins the whole cuisine. And, in fact, it's interesting that um, I think there's a saying, have you had your injury today? You'll greet someone. Hey, have you had your injury today? No, I've never heard of this saying. Really? I've never heard of this saying. You're, you're coming up with all kinds of breaking news today. Well, okay, I've, I've um, read it, uh, the fact that Tef is central to Ethiopian consciousness. It is. And much like um, a Coffee. lot of... Uh, places that have had to endure great famine yep. and hardship, that the eating of food becomes a greeting. Like um, in a lot of Asian countries, China especially, they'll say a greeting is, have you had? Have you eaten today? Have you had rice today? And one thing that I read was, anyway, that I thought is incredible. But what we do is we don't we don't have that greeting per se, but it's just the things that we consider quite hospitable is that mm. when somebody comes to your house, doesn't matter what time it is, you always offer to feed them. Yes. You always say, are you hungry? Let's put some food on the table. Hey. Always. So we do do that, but that's not necessarily a greeting. It's more like as in it's just considered hospitable hey. at whatever time someone comes Hi, to you're offer food. Yeah. Have you eaten? Correct. Which yeah. is good because I was also hearing, okay, you can tell me if this one's right. If you describe someone who is desperately poor, you say, uh, he has no what on his injury. Where are you coming up with all of this stuff? The internet. Well, the internet's obviously written by, uh, I don't Fools. know. Okay. Well, this is why you're here. You can what? tell us that. But, all right, well, let's talk about um, injury bread, which is not only does it underpin the cuisine, it underpins the plates where the cuisine is served on top of, yeah? Correct. I've got something. Oh, it is a part of the cuisine. Jesus, yes, okay. Yeah, less internet for you, a little bit more exploration. (laughs) That's why I'm here talking to you, that you can tell us what's what. (laughs) Tell me what time it is. Yeah, so the um, injera is like a fermented flatbread. Um, It's like sourdough, and we use the same process as sourdough to make it, but it's um, only pan-baked, and it's pan-baked on one side, and it's flat. Yes. Um, And then with that one, we take about 72 hours to ferment it roughly sometimes it takes a little bit longer in winter but that's about 72 yeah so the dough we live well that's even more than italian pizza dough hours. yeah you live it for about 72 hours then the fermented flatbread becomes your utensil as well as your bread to complement the stews mm. so it has a sour taste already to it and it's served cold just at room temperature not cold and then we serve the stews warm that will be on top that are a bit more spicy so the sourness and the spice levels will then kind of um, balance themselves out and you create little morsels for yourself. And the whole idea is that, yes, on this one plate is a kaleidoscope of textures and flavours, yes? That would be the aim. Yeah, that would be... That's what we hope. We believe we yeah. achieve that aim, yes. And, um, and your mum is the one back of house... Making all these things a reality? Correct. So yes. my mu- it's all my mum's um, recipes and yes. she's the one that kind of, um, I guess, makes all of the, does all the prep work and then we have other people to help us support during service. But yeah. Yeah, right. She's the backbone of the restaurant. So is she, but uh, was she always um, uh, a cook? Was in, what, what inspired you guys to collaborate together and go, we're going to Brunswick Street, we're going to bring Ethiopian food to Melburnians. Let's okay. go. So um, my mum's never hasn't had any formal training as a chef or anything like that. But mm. my, what my mum did is usually I'd bring friends around and they'd constantly be like, "Oh, your mum's cooking so good. It's better than a lot of the places that I've been to, or it's this or it's that." And then I thought, okay, so we did a couple of catering jobs and we got really great success from that when we did some catering. 
And then after that, it was just very serendipitous. We're just like, okay, let's do it. And mum was like, yeah, I wanted to do something like this. I'll do it. And then we were like, okay, let's go. Let's do it. So a lot of people would like to hear, you know, this massive seven-year business plan and all of that. Nah, a lot of it was very, very ad hoc. It was very, do we think we want to do this? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, do we like this? Okay, let's do it. And then... Mm. From then on, just kept roping people into the dream. And how did you find the um, – was it easy finding the premises? No, that was our third venue, actually. We looked at moving into Seddon, then there was, like, something on Sydney Road, and then at the end of it we settled on Brunswick Street. Brunswick Street. And we found that. And Good then I stuff. was one of the very few lucky, lucky business owners that has a great relationship with a landlord, and he and was the, amazing. And I was really? Like, okay. And yeah. not, not this could, because usually the – the way that we hear about landlords, and especially in Melbourne after it's been undergoing a property boom for, what, 20 years or so, yeah. is they just keep putting up the rents and the rents and the rents and the rents and they just keep going up. So I've had this a, one's been fairly restrained. Yeah, I've had a negative experience with the second landlord, but the first one, God, he was he's amazing. He still is amazing and he's really mm. kind of underpins, I guess, the success of the business as well because yes. he could be more – difficult but he's not and we work together and he wants the venue to work and we want the venue to work and we want to pay our rents and he wants us to pay our rents so he just, around, hey. you know it's like a this could be a start of a beautiful friendship correct and he's yeah. amazing yeah he's very amazing oh yeah hats off to him and and what can you describe to people what is it like in the restaurant and what sort of things are on the menu obviously we have the great feast that you have with the injure underneath and all these beautiful contrasting beautiful foods on top what other things can you get so in terms of ethiopian cuisine one of the things to keep in mind is that ethiopia's um has been the orthodox uh church has had a lot of say in ethiopian culture for many years Mm. and about 40 percent of the population at the moment is um, ethiopian orthodox so what that lends itself to is that there's a lot of lent Mm. and the lent is around being uh vegan yes um so as a result of that predominantly a big uh, portion of our menu is vegan yes um and you get uh, like a lot of lentils and legumes are a big backbone of the dishes then when it comes to meats, um, a lot of it is about slow-cooked meat. Yep. So there's like a slow-cooked chicken dish that we serve, slow-cooked lamb. Um, lamb and okra is actually a Sudanese dish called bamia. But because my mother has spent um, just as much time in Sudan as she has in Ethiopia, so we make that. Um, and then we've got the quick-cooked beef, which is like a baraikalwa or tips, it's called. And it's just like the staple of Ethiopian restaurant menu. Not you, home menu, you, but restaurant menu, yeah. Do you have a spice mix that sort of underpins that? Like the Multiple spice mixes. Okay. So we've got like, you've got the berbera, which is like about 50 different spices within the chili. Mm. That it's underpinning for the chicken and the um, local lamb. Yep. Then you've got like things like mitmita, which is just like a condiment sort of served on top. Then you've got awaza, which is a bit more mustardy, but chili based. Yep. So literally when it comes to spices, I don't think there's a spice that we sidestep. Um, <laughs> you know, you've got, you've got Everybody the gets to go. Every spice. So it's is, yeah. an incredibly aromatic cuisine as, as well. Correct. Yeah, right. Absolutely. Mm. Yeah. Well, um, I've got to say that um, it's incredible the things that you've done. We mentioned the fact that you were a Duntroon, but that was also while you were starting your first business and then doing a degree at Monash as well. So congratulations on that. And you've also been uh, doing a thing called Afro Hub, yeah? Yes, I have. Yeah. Um, so I got Af- that right. I saw that on the internet and that it was one, correct. The internet was correct on Hooray. that one. Hooray. Yes. Okay. So AfroHub is like an Afrocentric um, curation and production of music and arts events, arts and culture. Hmm. Um, so we, for example, on August the 31st, we've got the Melbourne Writers Festival um, pop-up at the Wheeler Centre. We'll take over the Wheeler Centre for the day. Oh, nice. Um, as a part of that, we've got like a rap writing workshop. We've got panel conversations, poetry and jazz and also a pop-up library run by Negro Speaks of Books. Yes. So, And that's promoting, I guess, POC and African books. So that should be pretty interesting. And do people need to book in to uh, Saba on 328, I think it was. Did I get that right? Yes, bookings are preferable. Um, yes. And that's at 328 Brunswick Street, Fitzroy. Yeah, and uh, bookings of six or more, do you have to pay a deposit? Uh, bookings of 10 or more, you have to pay a deposit. Good idea, because one of the worst things people can do is not show up on a busy Saturday night. Because that sucks. Yes, it does. You don't. You are awesome, and it's delightful to meet you, and um, we should get you on again to maybe talk us through some of the dishes and how they can do it at home. Sure. 
But, in the but it might take me out of business. <laughs> hey, they're always going to come there and see how someone does it properly. Uh, okay. Yeah. And, and you can't get the, you know, the, the warmth and the hospitality uh, that you provide there. We're working on it. Thank you. Um, we've got uh, Michael Harden who's um, hanging in the... Oh, he's actually moving to the door. Michael, come on in, mate. There we go. He's <laughs> on his phone. He's uh, about to come in. Saba, again, thank you for taking some time out on Sunday for us to meet you. Thank you very much and great luck and six more success. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Pleasure. Ah, so we're just waving Saba goodbye and... It's very, uh, very busy in here today, isn't it? Yes. There's a lot going on. Michael Harden, exchanging business cards. <laughs> yeah, it's all business. It's always networking. It's all transactional, isn't yeah. it? Transactional. Yeah, yeah. I, I just have to um, bring up that I heard when you were introducing oh, me God, previously that you yeah. called me Helicopter Harden. I just wanted yes. to uh, point out that I hadn't been on a helicopter for weeks, Cam, so yes. that name really doesn't apply. Oh, okay. So. Well, we call you Maglev Carl. Yeah. <laughs> They haven't done that either. <laughs> haven't been to Shanghai? Not just yet. Okay, well, there's always hope. We can Maybe we'll get you in a helicopter soon. Better. That's what I'm on here for. Better. Better. <laughs> Come on. I want more things happening. Uh, what has been happening in your life? You've been away. I've been away. Uh, Pat, Pat's already stole your thunder. He's oh, done that whole, oh, no, your food is. tastes got better. In, and got in ahead of me. You know, always ahead of me. Yes. But, uh, no, but, uh, yeah, I had a very nice time in Italy doing a doing a kind of greatest hits tour from the north to the south. Oh, really? And, um, what was top of the pubs? Naples. Naples, darling. Absolutely Naples. And so we got those shoes. <laughs> I did. Show me those shoes. shoes. It's like, yeah. But uh, more importantly, there was the food in Naples that was just killed me. It was so great. It was so fantastic. Why is Naples important again? Uh, pizza. Yeah. Home of. Home of. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's sort of. 48 you know, hour proof. Yeah. Yeah. And a and lot of. Simple, and, simple ingredients. Yeah. And, you know, things, and just ingredients. Before we got into you know, deep dish. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, yeah, I just no, threw up I in know, my mouth. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So. So, uh, yeah. Naples for pizza and. Yeah. And also, like, one of the best things that I ate there was, you know, really, it was in, in a small trattoria and the dessert was they brought out four apricots that had come from the owner's garden. They were still warm from the sun. They were sort of little and sort of misshapen, didn't look all that spectacular. Jesus. Put them in your mouth yeah. and it was like the heavenly choir. Yeah. It was like this was the essence of what an apricot should be. Ruined me forever. I now have mm. to go and live in Naples so I can eat those apricots. So it's this, a hardship. This is a terrible thing. Um, and we're so far away from summer and stone fruits, but it's maybe worth mentioning the very, very fact of what the stone fruit people were trying to do. So I remember there was this movement years ago of saying, you know what? Peaches should be crisp. Like, no. Do you remember that? Do you remember? Matt's looking no, at why would you? Why would you even? Oh, because it was, hmm. it, it was expedient. It was, it was a, because. Because they stack better. They stack better. <laughs> you can drop them, you know, it was like the flavor saver tomato. I mean, one thing that gets people, uh, tomato growers really, really excited is you can hold it above your head. Drop it and it doesn't split. Yeah, surprisingly, it doesn't get um, the chefs excited. No, so. but the what has been denied so many people is the taste of what you experienced. Yeah, and I had a couple of experiences where where it was you know I felt like the, I felt like the real tourist because I was in a town um, sort of up north called Rapallo, which is on the coast near Portofino, mm. and went into a greengrocer there and asked for a. Well, we asked for a cucumber and they kind of sort of looked at us. It's like, it's like, what that, do you want that and for? And that's not in season. And so they just, it's just not there. Oh, that's like beautiful. So that's why can't we be like that Two here? or three times happened where it was things we asked for and they went, it's not in season. Yeah, what what are you, why are you asking yeah, for that? Don't be so stupid. because like, I'm a stupid foreigner. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's, um, you know, that's the thing now. I mean, if we go to the markets now or the supermarkets, we'll see cherries from Washington. Please. Yeah, stop it. Yeah, you should, you know, you really should. If you're ordering, if you're eating those, you should be hating yourself as well. So, you know, that's what I think. Self-loathing yeah. and out-of-season yeah. fruit. That's what it's all Together. about. You loathe there's yourself. There's that's, that's, why you're, that's, that's why you're eating out-of-season fruit because you yeah. hate yourself. You hate yourself. Yeah. Don't do it. <laughs> the mangoes. Step away from the mangoes. Wait till December because they taste better. Oh, my God. Now, yeah. And that brief cherry period, you know, it's sort of like at the end of the year where the, the local cherries come on the market and it's like – well, it is like Christmas, but it's, it's sort of like you know, it's like it's fantastic. It's yeah. like we have this short window of opportunity to eat the best, ripest fruit in in the quality that it was intended to be eaten. So you know, that's uh, 
It's a praise Jesus moment. It is a praise Jesus Praise moment. Jesus. Yes, it is. Jesus and the cherries. Jesus and the cherries. I mean, there's probably a saint of cherries, but we'll have to Let's find that so. out. Um, so, okay, so Naples, Italy... Yeah, 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 yada, 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 yeah. yeah, oh my god, you know, that was hell coming back, the flat's so long, whatever, there is a, a thing that we were discussing yeah. uh, on the uh, the telephone the other day. Yeah, it's about, like, I think the, um, like, you know, coming to the end of reviewing season as we are, we've done, you know, we've, we're, we're kind of getting to the pointy end where we're sort of awarding restaurants and deciding who's where, whatever. Mm. And, um, you sort of spot trends because you've been reviewing a lot of restaurants. And yes. it's like this year, particularly in Melbourne, it's been this mid-priced Italian bistro thing happening. So, Sounds like a good thing to me. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, and it's so, you know, you just within the last, I think within the last 12 months, you kind of have got places like Capitano and Leonardo's House of Pizza. Where's Capitano first Capitano. These are, all of these are in Carlton. So yeah, Capit- what's, the, what's the hotel that took over? Beaufort? The Beaufort. Yeah, which was, a, a, which was the dive bar. Today. Yeah, yeah. So Capitano there, which is by the same guy, same people that do, um, that have got Bar Liberty. Yes. Um, so it's their Italian restaurant. Great people. Pizza there. Really, that's on really Johnson Street, isn't yes. it? Yeah, it is. It's uh, a, that's across a, the road that's from Juddy Roller, the art gallery. Yes. Last unrenovated warehouse in, in Fitzroy, I Yeah, reckon. it's sort of like, I bet that's got a target on its back. Oh, no, no, they're, 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 they're staying strong there. But, um, oh, good. Well, Capitano, what makes them so good? They have a really, they do a sort of a New York style pizza because Casey Wall, who's the chef, is American and he. Oh, he's cool. Yeah, I and he. Sort of wanted to do a, a an ode to restaurants of his youth that he grew up eating in when he was growing up in New Jersey, and he would eat in New York. So do the right of, thing. They're the sort of do the right thing, Soprano kind of yeah, yeah. red gingham, red sauce Italian restaurants that you you find in America, and so yeah. he's doing that sort of stuff. So including as we were talking about before that amazing vodka sauce that the you know the Vesuvio, oh, which hell. was it's so delicious. Man. And it's sort of like you don't really get. So much here. Well, you're starting let's, to get it because of people have realised how good Matt, it is. Matt, you've got to try this pasta, mate. Sure. Okay, you ready? With vodka sauce. First of all, yeah. it's got this really, really weird shape. It's an extruded pasta. Mm. The sauce clings to it magnificently. Yeah. It's a tomato sauce made better <laughs> with what with, and why? <laughs> with vodka, which adds this sort of like it's like a deep rich tomato hey. sauce but they you splash some vodka in it yeah. and cook it and it's sort of like it brings this clarity to it and length of flavor to it that is really quite remarkable you know it's like it it lingers in the mouth for longer so it's like and it is very like i lived in america for a while and it, was, it is a very american taste yeah, it's like, yeah, yeah, i just so. found it just utterly utterly delicious yeah yeah and the, the the pizza they do like you know his pizza is a new york style pizza so it's kind of a more flexible base mm. and that sort of stuff but they do like you know you they'll they'll do just a and regular don't char it too if i remember rightly yeah yeah no yeah, great it's pretty char on it and um and then a bit of uh you know just sort of cheese and tomato and then but then you can bling it yourself so they've got things like enduya and they've got pickled chilies and they've got fennel salami and you can just kind of chuck all of this on so it's like okay i would say so that one's that one's good to go to yeah, and yeah. you say it's mid price so yeah um it's, it's not going to hurt too much it's not like you know you're not talking cheap this is this is pizza that's you know had it been handmade and sort of been proved proved for you know days and that sort of stuff so mm. it's not super cheap but like you know you're looking at a pizza for sort of 20ish dollars mm-hmm. so you know 20 plus for depending on how blingy you want it to be and, so and who else goes into that oh let's talk about king and godfrey king and godfrey which is agostino's is their final thing a piece of the puzzle of king and godfrey that's opened what up. is king and godfrey those those that are born under a rock king and godfrey corner of faraday and you know king and godfrey man like on street yeah i wasn't born under a rock <laughs> yeah, <good. laughs> hey just, re- just checking reopened Late last year, after took three years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They three were, years. That's what happens when you get get um, excited about renovating a building that's been around since. Yeah, you know, it's been a grocery store since about eighteen seventy nine. So, yeah, it's it's, it's and possibly in the same, same family po- for fifty years. Possibly the oldest um, uh, delicatessen in Australia. Um, am I right in saying that's the Val Morbiders? Val Morbiders, aren't it? Yeah, yeah. Okay, they so, did, they did so the these Reno. are people with very very deep pockets. Yes. Obviously, yeah, and they also because they had deep pockets, they were able to say, "No, yeah. we wait, we do it proper," and that's why it took three years to do. And my lord, what a re- renovation! Yeah, they've done it, and they also they were very um, 
very conscious of their grandfather's legacy. So they were kind of like, it was all Who's about... the granddad? The granddad, Carlo. I need to re-read Ligon Street, Agus, your book. Agostino, the, um, Agostino the, the restaurant that they've called it there, is named after Agostino's, which was the first grocery store that he worked in when he came here from Italy. Oh, so and it was used the to United be a, States motorcycle rider? No. No, that was no. another Agostini I remember growing up as a kid. <laughs> so Agostino was, he was... He, uh, that's there, where he started the Val Morbid of Food Empire. No, so from really? yeah, from he worked there, and then the guy, Mister Agostino, got ill, and he said to Carlo, "Do you want to do you want the, to take the shop on?" So he took it on from there, and then built it up from there, and uh, and then he bought the um, he bought the Ligon Street store in about in the nineteen fifties, I think about nineteen fifty five. Bloody hell! Yeah, and so. uh, okay, and I would commend people to go there and have a look. Um, <coughs> well, the Nova's just across the road, so you can go and catch a movie, yeah. but. Downstairs, the cellar has been renovated. Yeah. It is unbelievable. Um, the vibe inside is incredible. There's this cast concrete bar that looks like a Doric column. Yeah. It's just beautiful. Mm. And for those that um, love to get a great vista, you can go upstairs to the third floor, which is named as it? Johnny's Green Room. Thank you, Johnny's Green Room. Which is named after the, the infamous pool hall. Yep. Um, and there is this unbelievable beer garden would do a, a disservice. There is a bar. Um, yeah, it's terrazzo like a, floor. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. It's like one of those kind of. Um, it's like a beach bar, Italian beach bar on the roof. So, what, what music is playing? <laughs> you can just imagine. Yeah, just great Italian yeah, music. Yeah, yeah. Um, pop. It, it is great. Um, we've got a couple of minutes left. What are you cooking at home for when? Uh, you know, when you're not eating five-star, when you're not in a helicopter, seeing rummaging through the food bag. Yeah, look, I just get the slaves to peel me grapes, Cam. Really? But, uh, yeah, oh, sort of Veronique. Yeah, 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 okay. yeah. But no, I um, I keep it really simple at home because it's like I eat so much restaurant food and it's beautiful and these chefs do amazing jobs. But, yes, you yeah. know, I, sometimes I just want to chop. Yes. So, uh, Don't yeah, worry but, about but me. I do sort of like the roast, like the, uh, the roast meat thing is kind of my, my bag. So I sort of like, I do a pretty good roast chicken based on a Stephanie Alexander recipe that's Is that just, the one with the, the garlic and then the lemon? Just, yeah, yeah, you, yeah, you rub the skin one. with lemon and garlic and then shove the lemon in the cavity and a bit of butter and a bit of, you know, salt and pepper and rosemary and. Boompa. Boompa. If yeah. you're going to do pasta at home, what pasta would it be? Uh, it's either, depending on the garlic, I usually do an aglio olio with a little bit of spinach. Mm, so, but it's cool. got to be, I've got decide, you know, it's great that we're getting more and more approach to like, you know, access to organic garlic because it's juicy. Yes. And, uh, and acrid. the other way to do it, I found that I've sort of like the other day that I'd, I'd started doing where you put it in the oil mm. when it's cold. And then you gradually heat the oil up on a really, really low heat and it infuses the oil with the garlic much better than if you kind of toss it in and sort of Fried up at a bit at a high heat, and sometimes if you really want to save it, you can just get like a little tea strainer and take it out, and then just add it at the end. So it doesn't. Yeah. It's one o'clock. Oh my god, we have to go. We do have to go. Michael. Thank you for having me. Uh, pleasure as always. Great to see you. Nice to um, see you. Look both. forward to hearing about what happens after review season. It is the afternoon. Still here is on, and they've in studio one again. Yeah. Hey. hey, ready to go. Yeah. Okay, heads down. Obviously, ready to hit that button. <laughs> ready to go. Um, thank you, Michael. Thank you, Matt. Thank you, Cam. We'll see you next week. Thank you, Saba. If you're in the car and you can hear it, and Dr. Yes. Renee Beal, don't forget about extrasensory. Oh, got to go. Bye. This has been a podcast from Free Triple R, 102.7 FM in Melbourne. Truly independent community radio. Want to hear more? Check out our website at rrr.org.au.